All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast, episode 91. It is the offseason in the NFL, so Matt and I are ready to yell at each other and debate over some of the top five wide receivers, top five quarterbacks, and some of the biggest names that are on the unrestricted free agent market and if their team should tag them or not. But first, we're going to get to the NBA All-Star Weekend just ended. So Matt and I wanted to catch up a little bit on some of the recent news in the NBA, debate a little bit. Is John Morant definitely the answer over Zion Williams throughout their careers in the NBA? And then lastly, Chris Paul is now out six to eight weeks in Phoenix. So the question is, can Devin Booker deliver? Is it his time? Can he finally step up and show that he's the best two guard in the league and give his team confidence that they can win without Chris Paul? But first, let's run that damn music, baby. Let's go. Uh, this episode might come out on Wednesday. Matt got sick. I set up a studio in my garage and, per, you know, no surprise there, the tech's been shit. So here we are. <laughs> We're recording late Tuesday. It's uh, almost nine o'clock Pacific time where we are out. So we apologize. I was going to post a video, but it was just a little too much. We're, we're making this happen. So what's up? I'm, I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me, as always, Matt Morris. What's up, buddy? Glad to hear you're feeling better. We really almost had to just call it quits on the day today. It was it, ball wasn't bouncing our way. No, it definitely wasn't, and uh, I guess that's just fitting. You know, football season's over. We're gonna kind of start to transition into basketball yeah. and baseball. There isn't a lot out there. I think we have some fun things to talk about today. 100%. But uh, if, honestly, if we were gonna have tech issues, you know, a little bit uh, runny nose, today's the day to do it. So <laughs> we're getting it in, and uh, excited to talk about some of the things that we're gonna bring up today. Yeah, and for our our audience and everyone, first-time listeners, long-time listeners, is Matt and I are going to do something different this offseason compared to last year when we were just getting kicked off with the podcast. Um, we're Sports Pod. During the offseason now, we're going to try and cover all three major sports that we talk about, right? Football, basketball, baseball. So hit, hit all of our audience, hit all of our verticals here throughout the offseason. Of course, going to be more of an emphasis towards March Madness during college season, uh, the NBA playoffs, and then it's looking like the MLB is going to come out of this lockout and maybe start on time. We'll definitely focus more on the sports that are in season. Um, but as for the offseason, on these Tuesday episodes, we're going to kind of encompass everything. Debate football, debate basketball. Once baseball is greenlit, debate baseball. And then the Thursday pods like we have going right now, we're going to do some series. So right now we're diving deep into the NFL draft. We're going to complete the quarterback class this upcoming Thursday. So we're really excited. Matt and I are already on the tape. We're going to debate between the last three quarterbacks out there so we're really excited but let's get to our nba topics brother all right so the first thing so i i don't know if you saw this matt jj reddick and uh well it's all started with cj mccollum actually came out i think he was uh with the nba on tnt crew and he came out and said zion williamson hasn't even reached out to him yet and he's been a member of the pelicans i want to say for about a week and a half two weeks now after the trade deadline and on top of that piggybacking off of that was jj reddick on espn today this morning saying that he's he as in zion williamson isn't a great teammate he didn't even text cj mccollum and when jj was on the team he was kind of dismissive 
Uh, he wasn't really engaged in, he didn't really seem to care very much. Basically, at the end of the day, calling him out as a bad teammate. So that brings up the age-old debate, and you and I have had this a couple times, but I really wanted to dive deeper into it because we're in year three with Zion, year three with Ja Morant. Coming out of the draft that year, it was definitely those two as the main guys, but it was the no-doubter that Zion was the number one pick. So this brings up the conversation we're going to go over right now is, Who's going to have the better career? Like, can we rely on Zion? Or is it just a fair argument that John Morant is definitely the best player from that draft and he's going to catapult himself into the elite top 10 status, which is where he's going right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to lean on your big, um, you know, your big <laughs> mark that you like I to say. I had a feeling you were going to say this, yeah. Yeah, the, <clears throat> the best trade for a player is ultimately their availability, which right. leads to more production, which leads to obviously being a better teammate. CJ McCollum has performed outstanding on the Pelicans so far. He has far and away outperformed even some of his best stretches on the Trailblazers. Correct. And I think that just goes to show that you now have a roster that is put together to actually compete. But where's Zion? Zion's sitting on his on his couch at home eating potato chips at 390 <laughs> pounds, you know, on his third surgery on lower body injuries. The dude's an absolute risk. I don't expect him to have more than maybe two or three good seasons in, in this league because he doesn't take it seriously. Same thing we talked about with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for in baseball, but Vladdy finally came in and made a, a conscious effort to watch his weight. Will we see that from Zion? Will we see Zion commit to the actual concept that he's a professional athlete and he's an elite professional athlete? Until we see that, it is no question in my mind Zion uh, Williams as the back burner to John Morant, right? John Morant is out there every single game playing well, putting his team at the top of the Western Conference, and he's doing it and making players around him better. We can't say the same thing, things, the same thing for Zion. We've seen some amazing highlight reels. He's put together good stat lines when he's on the floor, but usually he's on the bench, he's at home, he's hurt. So in my opinion, there's no question that it's Jaws League. Uh, it's, it was Jaws draft. I found it interesting this week. They also came out and said the Pelicans had tried to trade Memphis for that number two overall pick. They offered a boatload of picks and assets in order to really? acquire the pick to pair up Ja and Zion. And now looking kind of it in hindsight, you know, at least you'd have Ja out there right now. You know, you'd have Ja, you'd have CJ McCollum's possibly if those assets were still allowed to be traded. But I just think overall Zion Williamson's career right now is it's a it's a very sad tale. Um, and it's a sad tale that a lot of these NBA youngsters that are going to be coming into the league that you have to take it seriously. I think that's another big issue. 18, 19, 20 year olds coming into this league. You're not a mature man yet. You're not ready to understand the effort level that is required of you to become great. You know, you look at Kobe Bryant and all these youngsters that idolize Bryant. Well, where's the work ethic? Zion, you have to put in the work if you want to be good in this league. You have to put in the work if you want to stay on the court. 100%. And, you know, I, I, I was on the same page as you, but the reason I wanted to bring this up today is, you know, Zion was an all star last year, Matt, literally. You know, and he has missed a ton of games. Comparison, right? Zion, 85 games played in his career, jaw 176. He's going to surpass 100 more games than Zion. You know my statement. We brought it up. Availability is the best ability, 100%. Long term, in the career aspect of these two, and what's going to define that draft um, for 2019 was the year that they got drafted, is to me is is gonna be is Zion gonna turn into Joel Embiid? I have this just weird feeling that that's kind of who he is, right? Is in a different way, they're different positions, different players, but Embiid just could not get over the hump for three, four years, and now he's turned into Embiid's easily a top five player in the league right now. He's probably gonna win MVP. He's probably the most big, skilled big man 
ever. He's right up there in that conversation, right? But his big thing is like, and we're wait, I'm waiting for it right now. When is he going to get hurt? You know, and I, and I think that's what Zion's going to be. Also, I think Zion is kind of tanking. I think he wants out of New Orleans, whether it's the food's too good, like you think, Matt, um, <laughs> or the organization is kind of a shit organization. You know, I, I just think he wants out of there. And so he's kind of distancing himself and kind of playing the James Harden role that, hey, man, this just isn't my situation. This isn't my team. And I want out. I want to go play insert team. I, I don't know where, right? Maybe the Knicks, maybe the Lakers. Maybe it's a big market team because Zion Williamson, the year he was at Duke, was the main attraction. And I think Zion is still the better player, but we need to see him out on the court. Just to give you some some numbers for the All-Star seasons, right? Jaws All-Star season still to be completed, but 26 points a game, 50% from three, 33% from the three-point arc. Um, all improvements over his career. 26.8 is easily the highest that he's had in his career. Zion Williamson, his all-star season though, Matt, he was sit- shooting 61% from the field, obviously not shooting as many jumpers, but 27 points, seven rebounds, 3.7 assists. So um, a really overall better player. Zion, 40 and 45 when he's on the floor with New Orleans. And the Grizzlies are above 500 without John Rant. They're above 500 as well with him on the court. But I just think Zion has a bigger impact overall. And that's shown in the player efficiency rating. I'm not a big proponent for that stat. It's like four points higher than Jaws, but... I don't know that, that one the, like that, the QBR, the PR, like that stuff. I know it's important, but it's also I, I'm more of the eye test guy when we get to our you know wide receiver quarterback rankings. That'll definitely be more there than the stats itself. But I think Zion's 100 percent a better player. I do. I, I think Zion's better than John Morant. I think he can impact the team better than John Morant. I do. But he won't be out there if I think he can get, you know, seven to 10 healthy seasons. I think in 10 years and a decade from now, we're talking about, yeah, Zion was that guy we saw on ball is life. That guy we saw in high school dunking on kids. We saw at Duke. Yeah. He was, you know, he was LeBron James esque. I'm not saying he's going to be Braun, but I think he has the potential to be best player in the league. Whereas jaw, I don't think he does. Well, and I think you talk about that from a positional standpoint too, right? Zion playing the power forward position, right? That kind of uh, center-esque position, which is ultimately the power dominating position on the floor. It's the most valuable position in in the entire league. Steph Curry kind of masked that and made that something that uh, it became a guards league. Let's not get around ourselves. Giannis, Embiid, Shaq, right? The big boys. Tim Duncan, Jokic. They are complete game changers when you actually look at the idea of what they bring to the basketball court because they're so far and away uh, able to space and do things that the guards are not, right? So Zion absolutely from an efficiency perspective and also a points perspective falls into that. But also in his all-star performance year, they were showcasing Zion Williamson, right? As the Duke player, they took number one overall. He was efficient, don't get me wrong. But again, are we going to look back in 10 years and say, man, Zion Williamson, one of the biggest busts because of, you know, personal motivation and personal dedication in what, 25 years of this league. And in regards to him not wanting to play in New Orleans, what the fuck have you done? You know, same thing with Ben Simmons. What have you done that gives you the ability to say, I don't want to play here? You're not LeBron James yet. You're not James Harden yet. And even those guys, we have issues with dictating where they're going to play next, right? These guys were in their rookie contracts, if not their second, you know, extension, which had the um, the team's ability to match contracts with Ben Simmons. Why do you think that you have the ability to dictate that you're not, you know, happy to play in New Orleans? 
go out, get New Orleans to the, the postseason two or three years in a row, and then say, you know what, I'm ready to leave. New Orleans has done what they can. They brought in Ball. They brought in Ingram. They did the absolute best they could to build around Zion Williams. And he hasn't reciprocated that, right? He hasn't decided to put in the same amount of effort as opposed to John Morant. You talk about it with availability being the best asset. He is pushing his team to be better. He is out there on a nightly basis from the eye test, motivating his team sure. and inspiring that fan base. If there's a player that I want to play with, it's John Morant. If there's sure. a player I absolutely would refuse to play with, it would be Zion Williamson because at 22, 23 years old, you're an asshole. <laughs> No, 100%. You're right. He hasn't proven himself. Like Harden, you know, and we can argue Harden hasn't proven himself. He's a fucking all-pro player, multiple-time mm-hmm. uh, all-star, which I don't all-star Pro Bowl. But still, man, like you're 100, you're you're all on on that. I totally agree with you, bro, because, yeah, okay, sick. You can dunk. Okay, you were fucking great for 60 games last year, but where were you when we needed you? You were out there having a fucking beignet out on Bergen, Bourbon Street. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, You know, dude, you were yeah. out there fucking shoving your face with powdered sugar. Fuck all, you know. I dude, I feel you. That that's such a valid point, man. Speaking of guys that have not pissed off veterans, have not pissed off legends of the game. Um, a guy I know, I I like, I know you like him too. Um, Devin Booker, man. I Chris Paul, as I said in the intro, broke his hand or his thumb or whatever. And he's going to be out for basically the next two months. And you and I were talking about this on the phone. You know, we both really like the Suns. I came on the pod even before football season was over. And it's like, hey, we got to give a shout out to the Suns. They're fucking legit, man. I think they're going back. And now this is putting a huge wrench in the plans. Obviously, Chris Paul, I think, should be in the MVP conversation. Right now, he's not. Him and DeRozan are getting snubbed, in my opinion, from the conversation. DeRozan's finally getting put in there. That's a, a topic for another day. But... Now that he's out, this is Devin Booker's time, man. I've been trying to put the kid in my top 10 list for three seasons now, especially after this past postseason run. I really wanted to put him in the top 10. Like, he's very good, but he's just always the honorable mention, right? He's always the next man out. So you and I pulled up some stats, and like this is what I'm expecting out of Booker. This is what I need to see out of Booker here in the next eight weeks to say this guy is a fucking top 10 player, and not only a top 10 player, he's the best shooting guard in the league. Right now, I think it's between him and um, the kid out in Utah, Donovan Mitchell, who's <laughs> overly disrespected. I'm one of the first people who was disrespecting him a long time ago as well. This is what I think he needs to do. So right now, he's 11th in points per game. He's a little under 26 a game. I think he needs to get up there with DeRozan. Compete with DeRozan. Compete with Giannis. Compete with Embiid. Put that up three to four more points per game. It's going to it's gonna take a lot. I'm not saying this is going to be easy, but this is what I need to see out of him. I don't need him to be the point guard. I need him to be the leader. I need him to be Kobe. Like he idolized. This is his moment to be Kobe Bryant-esque. I don't know if he can be, but I, this is what I need to see out of him. Get him up to 28, 29 a game. Move him out of that 11th in points per game. He's only averaging five free throws a game. I think if he just pumps that up over the next eight weeks to eight to 10 free throws a game, he's going to shoot 90% from the free throw line. So it'll be good there. And then also, I think to put his name on the map to get himself into my top 10, into probably a lot of people's top 10 list in the NBA and to be more respected, get that number one seed. Don't relinquish that number one spot. So when Paul's back, you have your established role as the killer. Like when we're losing, when Milwaukee and fucking Giannis and Chris Middleton and the boys are going on a run, we give it to you and we know you're going to hit that shot. We know you're going to score. We know you're going to come up clutch for us. That's what I need to see out of Booker. And I'm really hoping he can do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hedging my bet. I think he can. 
Yeah, I mean, we see eye to eye with this. Uh, the numbers, they speak pretty clearly to those of you that can look at a box score, look at an overall stats score for the season and see what Booker's been doing this year. He's actually shooting from the floor worse than he was last year. Yes. He's uh, at 44% this season, whereas last year he was at 48%. Uh, his three-point percentage is, is actually up this year. He was only sh- shooting 34% from three last year. He's up to almost 37% uh, per game this year. Uh, and so if you really break those numbers down, what you're seeing is Devin Booker's uh, field goal percentage from you know within the arc, the two-point percentage, is actually much lower than it was last year. And you kind of alluded to it. I want to see him get to the free throw line, right? Yeah, He's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands. It's going to be more of an ISO pre- um, the game plan around Devin Booker, drive the lane, right? He's shooting 86% from the free throw line. If you can get there 15 to 20 times a game, you know, it's similar to what James Harden was doing in his prime, you're going to see those numbers jump all the way up. And you said it right, three, four points per game. I want to see him anywhere from 30 to 33 points per game. You know, we talked off air today about some of the guys that have had the ability in this league to take over their team when there are injuries or when there's a lack of supporting cast. James Harden put up 40 points per game. I think it was 11 straight games a few years ago in Houston. Kobe Bryant, how many games in a row did he have 40 points per game? When you have the opportunity to carry your team, you have to carry your team if you want to be even mentioned in the same echelon as those guys. And I think Devin Booker can do it. Looking at his stats, I was actually kind of surprised because we've thought of we've thought of Booker the last three, four years as a sharpshooter. When you look at 34% from three last year, that's not very good, but 37, that's pushing elite, right? That's closer to 40. He's got to start to get to the free throw line, though. That's going to be the opportunity for him. I do expect for him to rip off some 40, 45, maybe 50 point games over Me the too. next six to eight weeks. But, you know, he has been mentioned in the era of Kobe, right? Especially three, four years ago, they talked about Booker as he was kind of ascending these ranks as, hey, this guy reminds us a lot of Kobe. Well, now you've got to show the league that you have that ability. We we saw, you know, on and off performances last year in the playoffs, especially in the finals against Milwaukee. Well, here it is. You're a year older. You have that number one seed in hand, right? If you relinquish that, yeah, you're not Kobe Bryant. You don't have that clutch mentality. But if you can hold on to that, if you can bring your points per game up to that 30, 33 per, uh, points per game threshold, I think you're talking about him as no doubtably the number one guard. And the difference between him and Mitchell is ultimately he's a better shooter than Mitchell. Mitchell, mm. Mitchell is a better attacker than Booker. I think if you were to look at the numbers over the last few years, Mitchell definitely attacks the rim more than he shoots. Uh, we'll have to pull those up, you know, kind of. We'll, we'll save that one for next week. Yeah, but um, I, I I don't know. I, I'd have to disagree with you a little bit on that. We'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. But I, I think what you're what you're trying to say, too, as well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Booker's three point numbers surprise you a little bit because I'll tell you this. He's a way better mid range guy than Mitchell, whereas Mitchell will take you off the bounce, take you to the rack. Devin really kills you in that 10 to 15, uh, 15 foot range on the court and really is a really good shooter from the elbow, finds his angles and his spots, um, similar to a DeMar DeRozan type. All right, man. So we're in the full off season here. Obviously, like I said in the intro, man, we got our draft series going. Mad night, freaking, we're diving in. We love the draft series. But here we're talking about a recap on the season before we get into some of our rankings because we're going to rank the entire league quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Um, we got to talk about the franchise tag. So NFL teams have till March 8th to franchise tag one of their players on their roster if they so do choose that franchise tag is a fully guaranteed contract based on a dollar amount per position. It's a really high tag. I think it's basically uh, based on the average of the highest salaries at that position. So Matt, run through the franchise tag amounts for the, the more popular positions in football right now. 
Yeah, quarterbacks can be at 29.7. I don't expect Woo! us to see any quarterbacks tag this season. Linebackers at 18.7, wide receiver 18.4, defensive end 17.8, uh, defensive tackle 17.3, quarterback 17.2, offensive lineman 16.6, safety 12.9, tight end 10.9, running back 9.5 at a discount. And if you are a team that has some need to either franchise tag your punter or kicker, 5.2 that is in millions damn how sick would that be as a as a as a punter you know like our boy pat yeah. mac dude five mil dude yeah. even the receiver at would you say 18.9 is that what you 19 million basically 19 million absolutely Whew. Whew. man that's a lot so we're gonna go over we i we both have our list of five guys that we are most intrigued about um, and we want to talk about them, think it, see if they will get franchise tagged at that number. And if not, what's next for them in the open market? So the first guy on our list is the obvious one. If you listen to the pod, you know, Matt and I, we try to be unbiased, but we are homers. Uh, Devontae Adams, we're big Packer fans here. He is the biggest name in the unrestricted free agent world. I the, the What's interesting about Green Bay is they pride themselves in not franchise tagging their players. But they're in an absolute predicament with Rodgers, with Adams, with a lot of their young superstars coming up on contract here, where I think this is the first time that we'll actually see them franchise tag someone in recent memory for me here as a Packers fan, because Adams is looking for $30 million a year. The only way I see this not happening, and I don't see this other situation not happening, would be Rodgers taking a pay cut, but... At his age and what his value is showing, and if the Packers, as they seem to be, are going to be paying Rodgers, I think they for sure franchise tag Adams this year because I do think if he tests the open market, someone will pay him $30 million a year, no doubt. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, there's also the other option, which is a transitional tag. If you slap a transitional tag on a player, what that allows the team to do is match any contract coming in. That contract would then be signed by the player um, and automatically reverted back to the original team, similar to what happens in the NBA with restricted free agency. Right. It's not often used. Um, it's kind of a death sentence. You know, another team can offer you $35 million a year with the idea that you're going to match it. But I do think Devontae gets franchise tagged here. Um, you know, if you look at the Saints at their seventy-five million over cap this coming <laughs> off season, that's kind of Packers something the Packers are going to be yeah. running into next year if they if they do choose to. But also, it's bad business if you choose to let a player of an elite status like Devontae Adams walk. You're just not getting the assets back that you should because if Devontae Adams leaves this offseason with you know no compensation, no franchise take, say he signs with the Raiders, say he signs with the Texans or Miami, the Packers would receive a third conditional round pick in next year's draft. As opposed to if you tag him, you can probably go out and get two first round picks, maybe a second round pick as well. It just makes business sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I think he stays. The next guy I have on my list, I think you have him somewhere on your list too. Uh, J.C. Jackson out in New England. You read the tag for uh, the cornerbacks. And hey, man, this is what I think about it. A, I don't think New England's going to pay him. I don't think they're going to tag him either. Is Who was J.C. Jackson three years ago? Right. You know, this is just another product of the Bill Belichick system. And this is no disrespect to JC Jackson. He's going to get paid. He's really good. I would love to see him on my team. Right. Like we won't pay him, but still like he's going to make a massive impact. But they just breed those guys out there in New England. As long as Bill Belichick's the head coach there, I don't see them paying an exorbitant amount of money to anybody 
at that one of those positions like that because I'm sure they'll draft someone, develop, and they have someone who's right under his wing who could be adequate at best, right? I don't see them tagging him. I see him going to one of these Florida teams. I see him maybe going to the Raiders, right? Um, definitely not a contender because none of the contenders have any money. Well, it's hard, right? You look at all the way back to when Revis was there. You look at what Stefan Gilmore was uh, able to do in New England. I, and I think when you talk yep. about kind of a product of the system, when Revis came to town, they learned how to isolate that cornerback position of the number one side and really play to the advantage of you know elevating that cornerback's ability. Gilmore, Revis, great players. Gilmore had a good season once he was More traded and moved on to Carolina. Yep, absolutely. But I think what, from what I've seen with J.C. Jackson, the expected sign slash um, contract, four years, $40 million, four years, $45 million, you're not looking at the $18 million it would cost a franchise tag him. So why not, why not just sign him to a deal if you want him? But I've also seen coming out of New England and uh, from J.C. Jackson's camp, the Patriots have not even spoken to him with his uh, comments coming out saying, I guess they don't want me. Now, when you talk about guys you know, saying things like that, Devontae Adams has said the exact same thing. Yep. Green Bay is not negotiating with him currently, which means either they've already determined from New England's perspective, we're tagging Jackson, or like you said, we're letting him walk. Right. Could be either or. Yeah, 100%. Um, I've got two wide receivers and... Uh, defensive player left. You you can go ahead. I know we have a couple receive. You have a couple receivers too. Who else you got on there? Yeah, um, I've got Mike Williams for the okay. Chargers. I think you know his production this season was really heightened. He finally kind of lived up to that first round draft slot that he was taken in. You know, you're talking about the Chargers having kind of an aging wide receiver core. Keenan Allen is getting older, right? Production injuries, right? He's been on the been on the field, but he's always had these nagging injuries. I think with the development of Herbert, um, talking about our quarterback rankings here in a little bit, I do have him in my top five. In order to keep him there, you need to keep Mike Williams. Mm. You know, outside of that receiving core of with Mike Williams, you kind of have some holes. So $18 million might be a lot of money, but if you tag him, maybe you can rework the deal, get him to an extension. Uh, second wide receiver slash pass catcher that I have is actually going to be a tight end. It's Mike Gusecki for the Dolphins. That tagline is about $10 million. It's very reasonable. I think with the development of Tua down there in Miami, you need to give him that safety net of Gusecki. Gusecki's coming into kind of his prime years. Uh, get him back for maybe one more year. Make him on a prove-it deal right with that franchise tag. See if you want to extend him. And if not, maybe you can draft a guy second or third round from the tight end position and bring him in and let Gusecki kind of tutor him. But I think at $10 million, you definitely have value there for Miami. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree with Gusecki. I think that one's a no-brainer. You tag him or extend him. I think they have a good amount of money um, right now to play with. I think he... I mean, if he played with a better quarterback, but I still think with two, I think he has the chance to be a top five tight end. I would like Gusecki's good, man. He's a, he's a very good player. Um, when healthy, the reason I didn't put Mike Williams on my list and I, this is kind of a strong take, but I'd avoid that guy like the plague, man. I, I, the one thing I dislike about players in the NFL, and this happens historically is why is the best season you ever had the year you were going up for a contract? Why? Why is it the year you were the most healthy, the best shape, the best numbers, undeniably the best you've ever been in your career, the most you've ever lived up to the hype, the year you were going to get paid. I understand it from a human perspective, no doubt about it, but from a GM, from a fan, from a owner, you know, perspective, I avoid that guy like the plague who I have on my list next, as far as the receivers are concerned and who I would rank way above him is a guy like Allen Robinson. I know he's not as his age isn't as friendly. I know his production has dipped as well, but I don't necessarily think that's a product of his effort or his intangibilities. 
I'm I'm personally, and this we'll, we'll get to our rankings here in a second. I'm a little more biased. I think Robinson is still he. I think he could vouch for a top five spot. Um, he fucked up choosing Chicago over Green Bay three four years ago. Whenever his contract was up back when he signed with the Bears, but if I am a solid team on the bubble, right? If I am the Arizona Cardinals, if I am the Rams, if somehow they come out with some sort of money, if I'm any of these contenders, Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay, you know, these teams that you see at the top of the list, the Ravens, you go get Allen Robinson. Because I don't think the Bears are tagging him. I think they're moving on from him. I think he's talked enough shit to say, hey, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. It's just not, it's clearly not a fit. He was the biggest bust in my opinion in fantasy and just from a elite wide receiver aspect last year in the NFL. The other guy I had was Chris Godwin. Uh, I don't think he's going to get tagged. I, uh, I'm interested to see who picks him up because I think they could get him at really, really good value for the next three to five years. Well, yeah. And I mean, when you talk about Allen Robinson and Mike Williams, you kind of make my argument and why I think tagging him over extending him is the right move there, right? We've seen one year of production, 18.9 million dollars is a lot of money. It's Actually, 18.5, I think, is the, the tag for wide receiver. But it's better than four years, 60 million dollars, right? Yeah, Mike Williams, I'm gonna tag you. I'm gonna put 18.5 on the books for you right now. You go out, you prove it again. Now we're talking about two years of production. Now I'm willing to give you that four years for 60, that five years for 75, right? Whatever that number may break down to. Sure. I am not okay extending you after one year of production because you're right. Maybe he fought through injuries this season. Maybe he decided to stay on the field and be productive because, hey, I've got to get that paycheck, right? But a tag is that protection for the team saying, all right, do it again, right? Do it one more time for me. And when you talk about teams on the bubble, that can make that leap forward. What happens if you take Mike Williams away from that Chargers offense? You might see Herbert's production decrease. You might see his efficiency decrease. You might see the idea of Keenan Allen, one more year older, also have issues. Mike Williams is absolutely crucial to that lineup and crucial to that team to continue the development of Herbert. Whereas you talk about Allen Robinson, right? Moving on from Chicago, same concept. He has a more proven track record as a guy you can rely on. I'm okay giving him four years, 40 million, right? Because he's not going to require the same kind of guaranteed money that Williams will because Williams is younger. But both of these guys, crucial to their young quarterbacks. And I do think Allen Robinson moving away from Chicago is the right answer. All right, moving on to our rankings. So off-season rankings, we're going to go through some of the best positions, favorite positions, who we like, who we don't like. So obviously, we're going to start with the sexy positions first, baby. Let's go. Okay, Matt. So we're going to get into our top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. We have a different list. I'm hyped. Um, We're going to definitely argue about this. I do not agree with yours. You don't agree with mine. So before you get into your five, list your five, but say what your criteria is and why you're listing your five, and then I'll do the same, and then we'll debate. Cool? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I looked at my criteria very simply moving forward in the NFL 2022 season, 2023 season. What was their production from 2021? I'm not looking at what Russell Wilson did in his career. I'm not looking at what some of these other aging veterans have done. I'm looking at what did they do this past year and who will they be? So my top five is very simple. Without Brady in the league, I'm starting off with Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs. And you can't doubt the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back if he chooses to play this year and be a top five quarterback, if not the number one. I have Patrick Mahomes coming in at number two. Again, proven he has the Super Bowl, had some incredible games this season, had a poor performance against the Bengals in the second half. Big time. Josh Allen is going to be my number three. There's a large stat line that I want to showcase uh, later on as to why. 
I have Joe Burrow coming in at number four, entering the top five. Some of his numbers might actually surprise you from this season. Uh, and then, I honestly, from the production in the postseason, <laughs> right? With no offensive line, still putting up good numbers. And then uh, Herbert coming in at number five. Mm. All right. So my my reasoning is honestly the polar opposite here is I, I'm here for the body of work. I'm here for five quarterbacks you want starting your team basically is how I view my list. I take the stats where they are and I like them. I agree with them. I know where you're going to go with bro, I think. Um, but this is my list. I, I like just body of work, who I want out there as my quarterback. This is my top five. Um, so I got Mahomes first over Rodgers. I like his intangibles a little better. That second half against the Bengals really kind of fucked with me a little bit. But I'm going to rock Mahomes number one, Rodgers number two, Russ Wilson number three, Josh Allen four, and the Super Bowl champion himself, Matt Stafford, cracks my top five list. Go ahead. So uh, you have the guy that led the league in interceptions in your top five, huh? Yes. Interesting. I do. Um, so Matt Stafford's outside of my top Joe Burrow eight. was second. He was second, but Joe Burrow also had a 70% completion percentage on the season. It's fine. Uh, one of the highest in the league. I think it was the highest in the league. He also missed a game. He had 4,611 passing yards this season. That's 8.9 per attempt. 34 touchdowns to the 14 interceptions, as okay. you mentioned, second in the league. Uh, Burrow at number four. It's all about that 70.4. What offensive line did he have? We've talked about this on the podcast. Zero. You talk about giving him a better offensive line. You're talking about a potential quarterback throwing 75% completion. That's unheard of, right? Aaron Rodgers is known around the league as the guy that throws, you know, you know, the best completion percentage right. year after year, having the best rating. Rodgers came in at 68.9 last season. The reason he won MVP was because of his four interceptions. So I understand that Stafford won a Super Bowl, and I understand that Stafford's pushing top 10, right? I'm not going to take away the credit from Stafford, but Stafford's decision-making is really in question as to why I did not put him in my top five. His decision-making over the course of this season and his career, as you talked about body of work, is an absolute detriment to his team. There is no question about that. We even saw that in the Super Bowl. Sure. They should have won, or they should have lost that game because Matt Stafford through some balls that should not have been thrown. Now, don't get me wrong. Burrow had a couple passes that I didn't like either. But again, that offensive line, much weaker than the Rams. Big player that I want to talk about, though, is Josh Allen. Josh Allen could absolutely be the number one quarterback after next season. In his 2022 playoff performance, 77.4 uh, completion percentage. Yeah. We talked about Burrow being 75, possibly. 77.4 is incredible. He had nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. And to put it into to a real contrast here, he had 10.3 yards per attempt, 13.3 per completion. These are absolutely unheard of numbers. We talk about Mahomes being magical. Josh Allen was that much better than Mahomes has ever been this postseason. And it's a shame that he didn't get a chance in overtime to kind of rescind that. Herbert at five. We talked about Mike Williams being there. I think that's really important for him moving forward. Definitely the lowest in terms of numbers on this list. He was at 65.9% completion. Did have the 5,000 yards, but he did play in every single game this season. Uh, 15 interceptions this past season. So, you know, he's got some mistakes as well. But him and Burrow are young. I'm talking about guys moving forward that I like as the top five in this league, not guys that, you know, have done certain things. I think Russ it, Wilson's, yeah. yeah, Russ Wilson's season this past year, plus the uncertainty of where he plays. If he plays in Seattle next season, he is not a top five quarterback, right? But that's he not his traded. fault. Like, I, I don't think that's his issue. Like, it's not, it's not his, like, his offensive line is worse than burrows you know like that that's where i'm at like if you that's put in question, if, if though, you right? give if you give fucking russ wilson jamar chase t higgins tyler boyd he's lighting the league up 
I, I mean, he has DK that. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, both guys no, that are rated not top 11 and 12. DK I is mean, not that good. DK, I didn't even think about DK on our top five list. I, he didn't I, even, I, I understand, he didn't even but cross my mind. But you're making on you're making an argument based off a, a non statistical concept, right? You're you're just basing what Russell Wilson has done in his career as saying Russell Wilson should be top five. Russell Wilson, in the truth, is is probably no longer top five. Is he I arguably disagree. possibly a Hall of Famer? Sure, right? For sure. But what you look at Russ Wilson did last season, he was not good. He, he wasn't with good. With a broken thumb. Uh, okay. I mean, let me sure let me play with a broken. Th- let, let me respond here. So before I agree with you on Josh Allen, before I get into that. So the reason I chose Stafford over Joe Burrow, because Burrow was it was Burrow Herbert Stafford was kind of what I was debating with um, on that five spot. So the reason I chose Stafford is and I've been the biggest shit talker on Stafford. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not sitting here sucking his dick. Like that's not what's going on here on this podcast. But what I like about Stafford is that when you need him the most, he delivers well more than a majority of the time he played like ass in the super bowl for two and a half quarters that drive made every throw that he needed to make and he's done that consistently over his career i think he is the reason the rams won the super bowl i don't think they win the super bowl with a guy like jared goff i don't think that they get to that point without matt stafford in game in game out when the throw and the play needed to be made throughout every single game of the playoffs outside of that arizona game he made that play that's why he got the nod for me. When it comes to Russ Wilson, he like I think you're disrespect. I think Russell Wilson is easily the third best quarterback in the league. Honestly, like I was be- between him and Allen, but I think Russ's body of work, what he provides, leadership, value, and talent-wise to a team. I'm telling you, bro, if you give him the roster and that same offensive line in Cincinnati, you have that same, if not a way better result than Joe Burrow got, which would have been a Super Bowl championship. I think Russell Wilson is highly underrated. He broke his thumb this year and fucking he doesn't. His team sucks. His team sucks. He doesn't have a run game and his and DK Metcalf. I don't want to hear that guy's. He's not the answer. I can't judge his stats based on based on his his, his team and his injury this year. Correct. But we're talking. We're talking about who are the top five quarterbacks right now in the league, right? We're not talking about what what Russ Wilson or what Aaron Rodgers have done in their career, right? I mean, Rodgers' stats were, you know, outside of his ratings and all the completion percentage were shit compared to Burrow. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. You know, completion percentage, yards, even touchdowns. You look at, you know, they, touchdowns were comparable. Aaron had more touchdowns yeah, than yeah. Burrow. It's 37 and 34. But again, Burrow didn't play in that last game of the season. He did miss a game. Um, I, I get where you're coming from, from Russ, but I, I do think it's career bias. You know, Russ, over the last two seasons, other than the start of the 2020 season where he was looking MVP, right? He looked amazing. I, in what, maybe 14, 15, 16 games since, because he did miss some games in this past season with that thumb, he's not an elite-level quarterback in the top five for me anymore. Looking at who are the best right now, based on what I'm expecting going into the 2022 campaign, that's that puts into the, the equation the team they're on. right? I'm even talking about Burrow in my top five as having a center, right guard, right tackle, <laughs> under 60% right. in that uh, PFF, PFF ratings. Yeah. right? Yeah. How bad is that? It's bad. So I don't disagree. In, in, and Chase, yes, Chase is a huge, huge piece here. He's in my top five. There is no question with and the Mixon, production that Chase put and up. And Higgins, and Boyd, sure. and Uzama. Team's good. But if Russ Wilson were on this team, maybe he's on my top five. Russ Wilson isn't on this team. 
This is a team sport, yeah, right? Team. We're talking about top five quarterbacks, yeah. Burrow, because of the, the guys around him. And that awful offensive line goes into that is a top five. And again, Russ Wilson over the past two seasons has not showed me that he is a top five quarterback over the course of his career. Yeah, that's not even a question. But the last two seasons, Russ Wilson, because of maybe the injury and because of the lack of continued pro- like progress and success in 2020, like let's not forget. He was not great at the end of 2020. He was right. I mean, you had him in the fantasy team; like he was not good. So for me, it was impossible to put Russ in there. I like Russ as a person, you know, as an individual, as a top five guy, but not production wise. Yeah, you're not going to convince me on that, but we'll just agree to disagree. I, I respect it. All right. So last segment of the day. We're going into the wide receivers. They we're going to have a similar argument here. I already fucking know. Um, criteria is the exact same for me. Criteria, I'm assuming, same for you. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. So I'll run my list first because I know you're going to hate it. So I've got Devontae Adams, number one. Tyreek Hill, number two. De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, number three. Cooper Cup, four. Debo Samuel, number five. Honorable mentions, that were like really, really getting at me was Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I put Diggs on there, but Diggs was more of the afterthought. Jefferson and Chase uh, were doing a lot in my brain. I'll say that. Yeah, I have some honorable mentions too. And Jefferson and Diggs definitely fall into that honorable mention area. Right. Um, Hopkins falls into my honorable mention who makes your top five. Right. My number one is Devonte Adams. It was hard after uh, Cup's performance in the Super Bowl not to put Cup one, but I had to be honest with myself and say Adams, you know, is still the guy. So number one, Devonte Adams. Number two, Cooper Cup. Uh, I have number three, Debo Samuel. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Number four, Jamar Chase. And I, as I had alluded to, talking about Burrow. And number five, I have Tyreek Hill. Yep. Now I think so. For me, I'll start. So we we both have Adams and Hill. The reason I have D Hop in there as well is he got hurt, right? Shit happens. Like I get that's that's gonna put a a stain on his resume. If you pull up his stats, his stats were still fucking elite in the games that he played this year. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best talented receiver in the league, even more than Devontae Adams. And by talented, I mean he's not a better route runner. He's not faster. He can't jump higher. I think he's literally the best catcher of the football in the NFL. And I have the ultimate respect for DeAndre Hopkins until the wheels fall off like they did for Julio Jones. I think that could happen in a year or two for DeAndre. Honestly, he's right there. But I will never have that man out of my top three until I physically see him not be the guy that he is because when he's on the field he's the most dynamic player on his offense i love deandre hopkins he doesn't drop the fucking football and at the end of the day the game at wide receiver position is you don't drop the football right go pull up his stats from this last year touchdowns yards receptions all there go pull up his stats i know this is five six years ago so it's irrelevant but when he played with ass quarterbacks dude's unbelievable adams i don't think it's a debate so I knew and I probably are going to debate that we're Packer fans. We're a little homerish here, but Adam's best route runner, second best hands in the league. And he's the most athletic guy in, in all of football. He might not be the fastest because that's Tyreek Hill. And that's why I have Tyreek Hill above cup. And this isn't a knock on cup because cop was out of my top five and way down the street until the playoffs. I, I was that guy this year. So Tyreek Hill, the reason he's number three on my list is just pull up that touchdown that he had against Buffalo, pull up every touchdown he ever has. Nobody in the NFL catches the ball and can be more of a threat and score at any time than Tyreek Hill. And I think that's more valuable 
than a guy like Cooper Cup. And it's no disrespect because I love Cup. I love Debo. Debo was Debo's the shocker for me on this list. I couldn't believe I put him five. The numbers, the impact, the eye test, it's undeniable. He's he's a freak, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna talk numbers a little more than I am gonna eye test. Um Hopkins didn't make it for two simple facts for me. You know, again, availability. My first concern year is he that, got hurt, but yeah, go ahead. Correct. First year that he got hurt, absolutely. But even you talk about efficiency from Hopkins this season and being good. Outside of his eight touchdowns, he had 56 yards per game in those 10 games. Right. That's not good. It's not good. Now, again, he played hurt a couple of games, so I'm, I'm going to give him that pass. But when we talk about top five, same thing as I just alluded to with, with Russell Wilson, I need to see what you did right now so that I can project what you're going to do next year, right? My concern with DeAndre Hopkins is we may be seeing what we saw with Andre Johnson seven, eight years ago. Went from the best in the game, because I agree with you. I would take DeAndre Hopkins over Devontae, you know, coming into the 2021 campaign because I think he was overall a better receiver, right? But now looking at 2022 campa- campaign and falling into my top five, you, did, you, you lack production in the 10 games that you played, maybe because of injury. And I don't know what you're going to give Heavy me double in 2022. Team too. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. Because, you know, Kirk and some of the guys that were paired around him definitely didn't give sure. the same ability and right. Kyler Murray is not Aaron Rodgers, so exactly. I don't want to discredit that. But Hopkins fell out because I am concerned that we might be seeing the downfall of him. And also, what does Kyler Murray and his pairing do for him this coming season? Right, a lot of turmoil there. Um, again, not his not his fault, but it goes into the equation of are you a top five? Debo Samuel, uh, seventy seven receptions for fourteen hundred and five yards. When I saw that stat, it absolutely jumped <laughs> off the page. I didn't realize he went for fourteen hundred well, yards. Well, and, thought, and Jimmy targeted him like a hundred and thirty something oh, times. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure out of those seventy catches, twenty of them were basically little handoffs because Jimmy obviously couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, it, dude, well, his numbers goes, are stupid. They're stupid. That goes into the next stat, though, right? Um, when we talk about efficiency, he was at sixty three point six percent catch on target right he had jimmy g throwing him the ball like that is by far one of the worst it's actually ex- oh, a little out bit of every than guy Jamar on this Chase. list out of every yeah, guy Jamar- on this list the the worst quarterback no doubt about it yes no question no question and efficiency wise but then you pair that on top of 59 rushes with 365 yards at a 6.2 per attempt the guy's a freak you talked about the eye test and the physical intangibles with tyree kill which i fully agree with that is something that the nfl cannot scheme against debo and tyree kill make this list not only for production but because there are very very few other players like them they're probably the only two guys with those intangibles in all of football at least at the elite level they're performing at uh last guy i want to mention is jamar chase we just talked about efficiency uh jamar chase was at actually 63.3 so he was at point three lower than Debo Samuel on that efficiency. I think that a lot goes into that being a rookie, you know, possibly running the wrong angled on a route at times, possibly overrunning the ball because he's so damn fast. But Chase was at 81 receptions for 1455, uh, 18 yards per catch. Debo Samuel was at 18.2 yards. How incredible is that? We're talking about spacing the field here. To give you a little bit of context there, Tyreek Hill is at 11.2. And we think of his Tyreek Hill being the guy that, you know, spreads the field the most. Tyreek Hill also had 111 receptions. So we saw this season them using him kind of more in short distance um, situations, hoping that he could kind of get more yak on those plays. And I think that kind of hurts Tyreek's overall 11.2 number. But those are my top five. Um, Hopkins, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Like pure ability, I like him a lot, but I want to see what he does in 2022. Yeah. Um, I had to I had to leave him off the list because again, Cup, Hill, Chase, Samuel, and Adams, 
these guys are absolute studs this season. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I just... I, I'm a fir- I was a firm believer, and I still will. Like with Brady, it, it's in in the tears for me. It's Brady, Rogers, Mahomes. Brady's gone, so it's Rogers, Mahomes, quarterback. Like that. That is the the elite for me. Elite, right? That's the elite for me. In the wide receiver room, it's still Adams Hill, D Hop for me. I still have D Hop there. I'm not going to count him out just because he had a pretty rough year injury wise and production wise. I've drafted him fantasy. I felt the full bl- blunt of it. I got it. I get it. But under that, I have all those other guys. I think under those three, Cup, Debo, Jefferson, Chase, Diggs, they're all right there waiting to be in that next spot. Um, I'm just not, we'll see this season, but I'm not ready to jump those guys yet, there yet. Cooper Cup, easily the only one who I think is right there, Super Bowl MVP, the, the, the whole thing, right? Like, But he was also probably 10 for me um, for the longest time out of, I don't really, uh, probably out of ignorance at the end of the day. All right, everyone. Well, hey, thanks for bearing with us. Hopefully the tech was good. Hopefully the audio is good. Matt and I will be back with a Thursday podcast for sure. Barring anything crazy, we're going to go over the rest of the quarterback class, bring up some news in the football throughout this week, basketball, baseball, if anything breaking, we'll bring that up as well. Look forward to the draft series this Thursday episode. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at PitcherBetPod. We appreciate all of you. Cheers. Have a good one.